Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Siakam the slam! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Strictly Hoops with CJ and Miles. Rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platforms, on YouTube. Do it all. Do it once. Do it twice. Even if it makes no difference, just keep on doing it. Quickly. Keep on liking the videos. Yeah. Hurry. Click it. Exactly. <laughs> all CJ? the time. Every day. Come visit. Yeah. And we're going to be here for most days. You're going to find different content, different uh, pieces of information related to your Toronto Raptors and other things NBA. So, CJ, how we doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I can't complain. You know, it's not Toronto over you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's happening on accident, but it's happening. Not not Toronto cold, but it's getting chilly in Texas, man. Yeah, today is a very rainy day. I was talking to my Uber driver, and I'm like, snow or rain? What's worse? And uh, we all obviously snow is worse, but the rain today it was really coming down. it is what it is. We're in that season now. We can't keep on getting to that mindset of like, oh, why is this happening again and again? This happens every year. We can't be surprised <laughs> anymore. <laughs> For me, at least the rain, the rain is somewhat comforting. Like it's relaxing. It's like, you know, to look, you look at. out. Yeah. But when it's snowing crazy, you're like, I got to mm. go out in this. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a different feeling. They're both, you know, have their yeah. pros and cons. But snow is good after the fact. And you're out in your front yard with your kid. Like that's when snow is good. Never yeah. when it's happening. There is something serene about watching s- snow like slowly fall, but uh, yeah, once you go out there, it's just like mm, cleaning the car, shoveling, trying to get around. Everything's worse. I tell you this: there's nothing like that. When I when I played in Cleveland, Cleveland was there. It seemed like this happened all the time. You go to sleep and it was seventy three degrees, and you wake <laughs> up and it's gray and slushy, and it's snow. Mm. Like a two hour nap turns into. Like, I don't know what. It, it it was the worst feeling of all time yeah. to have that happen all the time. And people talk about snow in Toronto. Come on, man. Cleveland, New York. It happens everywhere. Well, not yeah, everywhere, but... <laughs> it does. It happens everywhere. Okay. They keep it pretty clean in Toronto, though. But, yeah, let's, we can go to basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. Shout out to the city workers who make sure yeah, things are, for sure. things are for clean sure. for us uh, come the morning. Okay. Um, the conversation <laughs> around the Toronto Raptors these days has a lot to do with who is starting and who is not starting. Because last game, and we are talking on the day of the Pelicans game, so we don't know who's going to start tonight. And that's kind of the point, is that we were surprised to see Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., both coming off the bench. Nick Nurse was asked about it, and he said, yeah, uh, went with the matchups, felt this was a way to go. That's been good. Wancho has been good. We're going to talk about both those guys shortly. Um, And he was asked, who's going to start for the Pelicans game? And he said... With a smile on his face, I got to look at the matchups. So this is like Nick has talked about this before. Is that his idea? Yeah, exactly. And that coy little smile of his. Uh, he has talked about this before. Is that his ideal is that he has something of a rotating starting lineup depending on matchups with probably, I would assume, Fred, Scotty, and OG being the constants. And then the other guys. I mean, maybe Scotty Barnes. Maybe you think that he's supposed to be in that conversation as well. It was strange to see him come off the bench. Gary Trent Jr. I mean, we'll get to that all in a second. But anyways, um, 
CJ, as a person who has started, who has come off the bench, what what changes or what are the problems that can arise for a player when you do move to the bench, both mentally, physically, preparation, that kind of thing? I think a lot of times um, mentally, sometimes guys see it as a demotion, especially when they've been a starter or they've been it when it's not truly the thing. I mean, I know, trust me, there's a stamp that comes with starting being a starter on a good NBA team or, I mean, obviously on any team, an NBA team, I get it. When you start looking at the grand scheme of things and you try to kind of see the whole picture, I think sometimes it weighs way too much. I used mm-hmm. to always kind of feel like finishing the game was way more important than starting the game for me individually. Not saying a team doesn't want to start strong, but like if we got a group of guys that we can place together that makes our second unit really strong. Like imagine having Gary Trent and um, Scotty Barnes being your two people, off, first two people off the bench. Yeah, man. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's the permanent answer. I'm just saying, think about that. And if it's some nights and if it's some things, and I think as a whole, the team, I look at it sometimes and I wonder about having another offensive guy off that bench, like a like a guy that creates his own shot that can put up mm. a big number off the bench. No disrespect to the guys off the bench, but they're not like bucket go-getters. Yeah. If I can replace Gary Trent Jr. with a guy that can fill the gap with those starters with Fred and OG and Pascal. They can make threes and keep the ball moving mm. and then bring Gary on and not have to play those guys 40 minutes. That yeah. changes everything. Have you seen players not handle the demotion? I'm using air quotes. Demotion very well. 1000%. <laughs> like numerous times. And then, yeah. and it's, and it, and then it over time though, I think they start to see that it's kind of ego because like your minutes don't have to change. A lot of times your shots get better and you get more offensive opportunities, especially if you're an offensive oriented guy, yeah, which is usually facing the second unit now facing the second unit, not the best defender. Yeah. Um, or they have to change their rotations to have somebody in there with you, which messes up their game plans, yeah. more opportunities because of you being the guy mm-hmm. off the bench. So there's more plays around for you, more opportunities, more guys looking for you to do certain things. It yeah. opens up your game more. Um, if we're being honest, like I knew, especially early in my career, coming off the bench, the amount of freedom that I got versus playing with Darren or Kyrie or Paul George or, you know what I mean? The, the way the mm-hmm. game flow was differently. And the coaches leaned on me a little bit more when I was in those positions. So I don't think it's bad. Without naming a name, have you seen – does something come to mind where a player was just like, I hate this. Fix this, coach, general manager. Um, <laughs> um well, uh, I mean, we can say the name. Allen Iverson has got the, the famous speech. I don't know uh, no whatever time yeah. all-star that comes to. I don't know no – you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. And granted, that's a special situation. Like, he, he's Allen Iverson. Don't give me – I'm not – I'm just making a joke. But there's definitely just been – Situation where guys have been the guy for so long or been a certain guy for so long in certain situations. And it's nothing about age or anything. When they when you move to a different team, say it's a better team with a championship mindset, and we yeah. see it this way where the machine to roll is cleanest, we mm. need you to be this. And sometimes guys don't really want to look at it that way, and it's understandable. We've talked about this before. This is a production-based league. Sure. Okay. You mentioned uh, Gary, and uh, that was one of the topics I wanted to ask you about because right now mm-hmm. you got Wancho in there. Again, who knows what happens tonight, but uh, it's been an interesting 
interesting transition to seeing Wancho in there versus Gary Trent Jr. for a few reasons. But I guess, do you like the idea of Wancho being the starting shooting guard versus Gary? Uh, You kind of mentioned a little bit uh, already, but um, if you're like coach CJ Miles now and you're looking at the Raptors starting lineup, would you suggest or think that maybe Wancho is a better person to start versus Gary for some of the reasons that you've kind of already said? I mean, so it's hard not to think about what I what I know and what I've heard Nick say also and the reasons for why he's been doing and moving things. So, like, yeah. but I look at it as right now watching him play, yes, I don't mind uh, Wancho starting. Hmm. Because of what he brings. The ball moves, pops, catch and shoot, into dribble handoff move. And that's not a disrespect to Gary because I need Gary to be Gary also. But I think they get the most out of you get the most out of both of those players when one's starting and Gary's coming off the bench. Yeah. Wancho's starting off the bench because he gets to be with Pascal, OG, Freddie, and all of his strengths, which are catching and shooting, a little bit of cutting, ball movement, are highlighted at an even higher level. Gary mm. Trent, who is a scorer who can score the ball in a billion ways. Yeah. Those things are highlighted off the bench because now I get to put him in so many different positions. He doesn't have to mm-hmm. wait as much. He doesn't have to play off guys as much. And I can really get him rolling. And that can, like I said before, buy me time for those starters. Mm-hmm. But not having to play 38 minutes every night, 40 minutes every night when I've yeah. got a punch coming off that bench. Um, But also I heard Nick say the other thing he's doing is if Gary's not going to play a little bit harder defensively for me, then it's going to be a little different. And I think that's yeah. just motivation from Nick. I think it's just a little tap to let you know, same with Scotty. Like, mm. it's, it's not given. This is not promised. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> He's trying to get the most out of everybody. Nick always has a way of, like, he gives us a grace period at the beginning of the season. Then around, like, close to December, which is where we kind of are, he just makes a change. And it's like, all right, mm. <laughs> playtime's over. It's time mm-hmm. to go and he'll do mm-hmm. something like this or the rotation will go down to like seven people or something like mm-hmm. that. And after the game, uh, last game where Gary came off the bench, he was asked about, you know, how Gary played. He's like, he had 14 and seven. I'll take that every day. The seven is interesting to me because Wancho over his last four games, mind you, he is six, nine. He is averaging 7.5 rebounds per game over the last four. The Raptors over the, on the season, they are 27th in defensive rebounding. Over these last four games, they are 15th. Okay, and defensive rebounding has been a weakness for this team for many years. It's part of their defensive schemes. Mm-hmm. But having another 6'9 guy in there does help, especially, I mean, we got to give Wancho like his his props here is that he came in, new team, off a very busy offseason, and slowly but surely, he is getting those defensive principles down. He is not by any means, like, you know, an isolation defender, personally, you want to put like an OG, a Pascal. He doesn't really fit that mold where you're going to switch him on to everybody, but he is getting the important parts of the defense down when it comes to rotating, hedging, recovering, mm-hmm. uh, filling up spaces, uh, blocking shots at the rim, being a rim protector in his own way. He is doing that. And again, I think about, you know, what do you want from a starting lineup? You want shooting, passing, rebounding, cutting, an isolation score, some floor spacing, and you could argue that Wancho does more of those buckets than Gary. And it's not to say that he's better, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's just different skill sets, right? And yeah. Gary, he's kind of being reduced to some degree in the starting lineup as a catch and shoot guy. Well, mm-hmm. why not just let Wancho do it, right? No, one. I agree with you 1000%. Let him do it and then let Gary come off the bench and be everything that he is. Hmm. Give him so much freedom, even if it cuts his minutes down by seven. 
if he goes for I don't know how many minutes he plays, let's say he plays 30, 34, and he yeah. gets him down to 28, but he gets 18 shots, a bunch of plays ran for him, real mm. activity, and he's averaging, like you said, four, between 14 and 18 and 7. Yeah. What are we complaining about? Mm-hmm. Nobody's complaining about anything, and we start to build some continuity. This is the other reason for the change, like you said. Now it's time to build that solid, solid base. Everybody's got their feet wet. They understand what we're doing. Now I need my best players to rise to the top. So I got to yeah. start seeing who, with some minutes, every three, four, five games is going to continue to do this. And if someone's rolling, I let them roll. If something right. changes and it shows me progress, I let it see how far I can progress with it. That's the yeah. way you got to go with the league in the, in the season. He mentioned that Nick uh, Nurse comment on Gary Trent Jr. and I'm not sure if he meant it the way it came off because it sounded terrible. <laughs> but he was kind. Of, he he essentially said, um, "This is like um this is paraphrasing a little bit that if Gary is not going to be um, aggressive as a perimeter mm-hmm. defender, he doesn't really fit us. And he is a player who I mean at least like the Raptors Twitter fan like." That verse, that Twitter verse is like, he's the most tradable player all off season with the KD thing that was going on. He was like the, obviously Gary Trent Jr. is going to be gone. Right. And reportedly the Raptors also told teams that, you know, we like Gary, right. We view him as part of our future, but a comment like that, it's like, Oh, it just comes off so bad when you say, unless he does this, he doesn't fit us. Well, it it may be true because, you know, he's six, five, uh, Raptors are six, nine across the board. That's what they're trying to do. So it's just kind of a weird thing to for a player to hear, I would imagine. But I also think it's um it's transparency from the yeah. coach and the coaching staff through what we do, mm-hmm. our game plan, our foundation, how we build. This is nothing that Gary does not know. This yeah. is a conversation that has been had with him, I'm sure. I've mm-hmm. seen them talking about these things since last year, like in, in the media and talking about the team and coaches saying things, not like going at him or anything, but I've just seen yeah. these as things mentioned that they want to get from him and they want to yeah. do. And it's because he's capable. That's the other thing. I've always noticed that with coaches. Coaches don't go in the media, and I wouldn't call it a shot, but like stand their ground on somebody like that that's not capable of taking it and doing those things. Hmm. He would not ask you to be somebody that you're not or cannot be. Yeah. I have never seen a coach do that. So like I always took that me. I'm speaking, I can't speak for him. I took that as a sign of one, I as a coach said, I know you got more and I want it. I'm asking for it. Yeah, it's a sign of respect, a sign of pushing of him wanting to be the best that you can be. That's the way I see that. What are your thoughts on Scotty Barnes coming off the bench? That one is a bit puzzling to me, and I'm not really sure if uh, that will continue. He was coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he has some knee issues. Like he isn't like they're being a bit coy on what exactly he's dealing with. But I think knee was something that Scotty did mention, and I'm not sure if. Him coming off the bench last game was because of that, because they're trying to limit his minutes, you know, similar to well, Pascal mm-hmm. started. But yeah, what about what about that? Scotty Barnes coming off the bench. That was a little like I said, I I, I don't know. <laughs> like I yeah. don't know about that one. You know, it's um and then he's had, you know, like you said, the injuries. He's been uh up and down a little bit. He's trending back, obviously, to up the right way. Mm-hmm. Maybe also with him. You get him in the second unit to get him more opportunities when Pascal coming back yeah. without having to worry about, you know, clashing and having to take a step back when you see him trending upward. Um, let him know that it's not a demotion, uh. that your minutes you're still gonna play and you're still gonna finish games and be and you're still a like that's obviously there. But I think maybe that's a part of it. But also let the young and know, you know, this is this is 
you got to earn everything too. I know mm-hmm. who you are and what you're doing, and there's things you got to go through. There's ups and downs, and we're yeah. gonna help you fix it. But we gotta we gotta move as a unit, also. Sure, we're gonna get to Thad Young in a second. But if you just look at this, like the Raptors, um, they do they're they're defensive minded team. And if we're looking at who's a better defender, Scotty Barnes or Thad Young, guess what? It's Thad Young because he's been in the league for a, bi- a billion years. Mm-hmm. And the man just knows how to play defense. Mm-hmm. So um, if it's if that's the mindset, like I'm not even sure if like Scotty can get to that level. Like we're talking who can make fewer mistakes. That's what you want mm-hmm. from your defenders, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with the Raptors system. And it's always mm-hmm. going to be Thad Young is going to make less mistakes. Always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially to start the game, right? You start this, you want to start defensively. If you want to start yeah. somebody, not saying that Scotty doesn't do these things. Somebody talking, somebody understanding, somebody who knows what's happening before it even happens. Sure. Having another guy out there like that is, you know, immeasurable. Hmm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that Scotty brings to the table that that Thad doesn't have. Also, yeah, but that but he but we can get those things out of Scotty as the game goes. Like I can. Hmm. Get, like as far as like starting mentally sharp every single night, not to say that Scotty's not mentally sharp, but like you said, there's things that he does not know or has not sure. been through or has not been able to grasp. Now we bring energy off the bench. I bring Scotty yelling, running up to the scores table off the bench. You know what and I Chris mean? Chris Boucher, right? <laughs> yeah, and I bring two knuckleheads off of that thing, like Bass yeah. Bros type thing, you know? Yeah. Like I can't, I can't be mad at that. Uh. I can, that's a different type of energy to bring off your bench. And I'm not I saying mean, that yeah. this, I, this is the answer. I don't know if this is the answer. I'm not coaching. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not coaching. I don't have this problem. <laughs> I get to sit here in my house and talk about it, but yeah, it's a beautiful problem. It's a I mean, beautiful yeah, problem. I mean, yeah, I mean, you think about yeah. it. When the Raptors were healthy, you have possibly Otto Porter Jr., Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., and I'm missing someone. Um... Oh, Chris Boucher, like that's your five players <laughs> off the bench. If Who has everything stayed? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna talk. Chris. Yeah, man, we're gonna talk Chris for sure. Like um, in this episode, yeah, he's been terrific. Out of his mind. Yeah, but that sounds pretty good to me, especially if you're able to. You're still getting the the proper production from your starting lineup, which I mean, you think would exactly. go pretty well because I I kind of like the synergy that they have, and I mentioned earlier, like, what do you want from your starting lineup? That the core the core player that that they have there right now with Thad Young, Wancho, and then the uh, the other guys as well, that makes sense to me. It just looks like a proper starting lineup. The Raptors are pretty funky, but this would mm-hmm. be going back to the principles that you what you want from a lineup, and a lot of those exactly. buckets are being filled. And that's the thing that we got to remember. We're talking about the lineup. We're not talking about it's not always who's the better player just side by side one on one. Yeah, we take Thad. And Wancho and put them in that star lineup. The things that they do make our better players better. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so their spacing, their knowledge, their screen setting, their movement makes it harder to guard Pascal, harder yeah. to guard Fred, gets OG more open looks, gets more, gets all these things for those guys. This is not taking it away from the guys we moved. This is just mm. saying that they highlight that lineup in a different way. And now my bench, I don't have a drop off. And this is not disrespect to those guys. They're just not offensive juggernauts like hmm. Scotty and uh, Gary Trent and Chris Boucher can be. I don't need them to be juggernauts when they're on the floor with Fred and Pascal. Yeah. I have them already. So now, now I'm not getting the best of my players. Hmm. 
can a rotating starting five work? I mean, we're talking about Wancho and Thad being in the the lineup for you know for the starting lineup for the foreseeable future. But like I said earlier, I mean, the Nick Nurse vision is it's going to change a little bit depending on matchups. Um, have you seen that before? I I can't really recall a time where there was a team that was changing their starting lineup game by game, uh, mixing in like a four different players in two positions or something like that. I think the goal is to be that anyway. We talk about not having drop offs when the bench comes in. When the so yeah. I don't see the goal like that. That's a true sign of a really good team that trusts each other, well coached team that believes in what they're doing. That we can do that. So if everybody's bought into what we're doing, which is winning, it one thousand percent can work. If that's what everybody wants, wants to win, and understands they're going to get their chances, then they're going to play their opportunities. We can do whatever we want every night. Because we know that the greater goal is the, mm. the the win, and if they're looking at the game the same way, they'll look at the matchups and understand why it's being done. Yeah, like it's not it's not a a, a left a curveball. You understand why I want to match him up with him, and you can come yeah. off the bench and take care of and take uh, advantage of this matchup. Mm. Or we want to put Fred in more pick and rolls this game because they start big and they have a slow big, so we're going to run it this way. There's so many things that go into the game every night. Yeah. That's going to be the case tonight. You got JV as your starting five. Guess who's going to be going off tonight? I would think it's going to be Fred VanVleet because JV's going to be in draft. We're going to pick on him. Yeah, exactly. We're going to test, going to test his feet and his hips. We're going to see if yeah. he's moving good tonight or not. I need to know. We're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, like I, I need to know. Yeah. And if I'm Fred, yeah. that's what I'm thinking since I woke up this morning. Especially because I know JV. So it's even more fun because I get to go at somebody <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm taking the over on uh on to my man, points tonight. Yeah, love, man, he's terrific. He's awesome. He's the greatest. I love playing with JV. Yeah. Uh okay. Um do you think it's uncommon that you could have potentially nine to ten players who are okay with maybe coming off the bench? <laughs> Is that weird in the NBA? Yeah. I mean, like we we're talking about like there's a sim there's a little you gotta have a little bit of your ego. To be even in this position, to be here, Ooh, to get here. Like we said, it's a production-driven yes, 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 yes. job. So you want, in your mind, you want to win and you want to try to do all the things that the team, but you have to keep yourself in mind to be able to have the most opportunity you can get. Yeah. And being a starting shooting guard, small forward on the team, rings way better than being the eighth guy. Off, you know what I mean? Like, mm. there's no offense to that guy or the other, but it's just fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we we also have in our minds that being a starter is going to present you with so many more opportunities, which is not always the case. I've had much less opportunities as a starter than I did coming off the bench. Hmm. But it's just being a starter is, you know, it's the it's the thing, it's the goal, it's the and that's the individual side it's of the game. It's shiny. It's shiny. Yeah. It's the, yeah. it's the, it's a trophy. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it if it's the right thing, but there's nothing wrong with being the 6-7 guy if it's the great thing. Well, we talked about Scotty Barnes, bench, not bench. The reason why that could be the case is because of Thad Young, who is playing very young these days. <laughs> the man just keeps on finding ways to help the Raptors win games. His synergy with Fred Van Vliet at all times on the court on both sides of the ball is like they're sharing a brain, and I absolutely love it. Um, you spent one season with Thad, right, in Indy? Yes. 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 Most memorable moment playing alongside Thad in Indy, or actually, when you guys are close. So, I guess just a memorable moment from your relationship, friendship with Thad. Um, me and Thad, one of the things about 
him is we got along because we are very similar as far as, you know, knowing who we are, knowing we bring the table, the way we approach our craft. Like I, we worked out together. We trained together in Dallas before he came to Toronto some also. Yeah. Um, but like, seem like people who have similar uh, outlooks on life. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's a coincidence that, you know, the length of our careers and, the, you know, being able to be serviceable for him still being serviceable for such a long time is mm. um, one thing I know about that. When we were in Indy, like I, when I was in the gym, I saw him in the gym, like, and I was always in the gym. And that's something you can respect from a guy, you know, that wants to be the best they can be at, at their position, at their yeah. place in their game, where they are, and they understand where they are in their career and what is mm. wanted from them. And they make sure they're available to be able to do those things. That's my favorite thing about him. And it's just holding true to this day. Like he's not doing anything different than he's than he's yeah. been able to do. He's just doing it. He's available sure. to do it and he's doing it right. And he's making sure that he understands what is wanted from him. And he goes and does that. Opportunities arise, you take them and understand them, but you understand what is wanted, how I help my teammates, how I help myself, how I help us win the game. Yeah. I mean, there are guys who are, you know, in their early 30s who have fallen out of the NBA because they could not accept what I, I think this is a case that they could not accept a different role. Right. Mm -hmm. They were used to being the guy. And then all of a sudden they're um, they're not able to do it at the same clip. And teams are like, we need you to do this stuff instead. And they're just like, that's not really me. And then they're like, well, bye. And Thad, there was this offseason clip where he was talking to some youngsters and he mm -hmm. was talking about this. He's like, you probably saw, you saw that too, right? Mm -hmm. he, his passion was coming through his voice. It was so cool to watch him like that because he's such a, you know, calm, calm, cool, collected guy. But when he was talking to these kids about how he's done this for 16 years, he's like egoless, accepting my role, knowing how I can help my team, staying in shape, always being ready. He was talking about these principles and this is what he lives by. And this is why he's still in the NBA. I mean, playing 16 years, like I credited you on the last episode, but playing 16 years in the NBA is a hell of an accomplishment. And he's done this just by those principles that I just said. And now with the Raptors, he was not on the floor for a little while. There were there was a few DNPs in there. He was getting like five, 10 minutes a game. Injuries happen. He gets inserted into the starting lineup. And we're just like, man, this guy is, this is the reason why the Raptors got him last season. And they yeah. said, we traded for you, but, and he was a, an RFA at the point. It's like, we want to bring you back, right? Or he was a UFA. He's like, but mm -hmm. we want to bring you back. This was a trade because we want Thad Young in our organization for a few years. And obviously, they re-signed him. What makes him a unique player in the NBA, a unique power forward? Um, First, first, like, funny thing about it. So when I saw the guys in San Antonio a couple weeks, three weeks ago, whatever it was, yeah, before the game, me and him, and they were in layup line. We chopped it up for a second. We were talking about just that, like, was playing, then started to not play, a couple of DMP, short minutes, this and that. And one of the first things we both said to each other, man, you know how this go. We've both <laughs> been around a long time. We know this ain't – it's been how many games? We know this could turn around and you playing 32 minutes in a week from now. We know how this go. It's, it's the beginning of the season, filling everything out. You know who you are. You're going to be who you are. It's going to even out. We know this. We looked at each other, kind of chuckled about it, dapped him up, and he went back in the layup line. No kidding. This is literally an exact conversation, me and him, my wife, my witness, sitting right there. Like, um, but the thing that makes him unique is obviously being able to defend, being able to, if, if a switch happens, having good enough feet to be able to, he has a motor, moves, he understands. You wouldn't think of him as this, um, excuse me, prolific passer, but he knows the right plays to make, knows the right reads to make, knows the right places to be. 
He's rolling, tremendous touch. Push shots, little floaters in his little pockets. He understands how to get to those shots and make those. But the biggest thing is that he's just willing. Hmm. He's willing to play as hard as he yeah. can and understand what he's got to do that night and attack it. There's no, let's try this tonight. It's like, no, this is what we got. This is who I'm guarding. This is guarding me. This is guarding Fred, who I'm screening for, or whoever else I'm, I'm helping out. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to attack that one thing until they make a change. That's the the one of the biggest attributes, I think, in the league is just understanding that it don't have to get fancy. Yeah, just got to get it done. That's what sticks out to me, like very similar, is that uh, last game, I saw him guard Donovan Mitchell. I saw him guard Darius Garland. I saw him guard Evan Mobley. He fits the Raptors in that way, is that he's a, he's mm-hmm. very versatile, despite you know being such a seasoned veteran in the NBA. He's, he can move his feet really well. He doesn't make many mistakes defensively. It's so crucial to have a player like Thad, who is like, I guess you're five in these lineups, and he's not making mistakes. He's covering up for other players. He's just taking away space. Meanwhile, on the other end, I consider him a floor spacer. He's not a great three-point shooter. Like he's kind of a career. I think he's around league average, but he's always creating space for mm-hmm. his teammates. And when I mentioned earlier sharing a brain with with Fred, it's so cool watching them because Fred is, you know, going a certain way. He's heading, you know, he's driving towards the paint and that is like rotating around mm-hmm. to give him a passing avenue. Mm-hmm. He's always doing that kind of stuff and you you just it's it's hard to like put into words how important that is to have a prep player who's able to just constantly be in the right place at the right time on both sides of the ball. You know why there's no words for it? Because the only thing that gets you that is games. Yeah. Like the only thing that gets you there is minutes and games. There's no like you know what I mean. There's no secret. There's no sauce. Mm-hmm. There's no and then you can share it and you can teach guys these very techniques. These things are worked on, yeah. but it yeah. just takes time to master them. 10,000 hours it takes a bunch of failures it takes a bunch of times not being where you should have been hmm. to know that you need to be here all the time for it to be yeah. your nature and that's yeah. what's come to him he's like okay i've seen this how many times exactly oh, i know what play they're running it might start on the left side but it's eventually going to get into this action on the right side right like it's not um it's not rocket science to him no more no it's elementary it- and even being able to share that brain, like uh, with Fred and OG and Pascal, who I was, I sent a tweet yesterday or a couple of days ago, just saying like it's so cool watching those three operate on defense because they they just they don't make mistakes, man. Like they're always in the right spot at the right time. They play so aggressively. Their tenacity is there. Their their hands are they're digging mm-hmm. and they're recovering and like they're just always in the right spot. And then you add in Thad, same kind of thing. Like against Luca uh, the other day. 
he was trapping with OG and with some players like Luca is like an, an unbelievable player, unbelievable passer. The Raptors not the first team to double him above the break, right? But when Thad and OG were doing it, it was just like they were taking away passing lanes. And that's mm-hmm. really, really hard to do. It's feet. It's just like getting to the right spot at the right time. The timing of a, a trap has to be precise. And if it's not, mm-hmm. then the passing yield can be used. We see Trey yeah. Young. He's so good at it. Luca yeah. with his size, physicality, the gifted passer that he is, his gifted shooting ability. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be precise. And OG and Thad did that. Yeah, yeah there's rules to the trap, right? Like mm-hmm. when we talk about trapping, you're going to trap, especially when you know certain players. There's like He can't do this. Yeah. Like if we're coming to trap him, he can't get on the baseline. Mm-hmm. He can't split the trap. He can't be able to see the cross court pass because that's yeah. the pass that's going to break. Cause he, or can't, or not, I'm sorry. We want the cross court high pass. We don't want him to have any straight passing dart passes because that's going to break us because we got to be in rotation. Yeah. But the biggest thing with those guys is when you're playing with somebody that knows, hmm. well, how do I put this? If I know that you know everything that we're supposed to be doing, I can be so much more aggressive because I know yeah. you're going to be where you're supposed to be. I don't have to yeah. worry if I do go make this this on the fly to fit on um, decision that you can't make the same decision in real time behind me. Right. Or um, we're trapping. I know somebody's gonna be there on the rotation. So I don't have to half trap. I don't have to half go for this steal that's a live pass because I know somebody's there. Yeah. If we're forcing baseline, somebody to their weak hand, I don't have to be worried and not full on commit to that because I know that's gonna be there at the baseline where he's supposed to be to help me. Yeah. Jason Kidd before the game uh, against the Raptors, he said, yeah, Thad Young, like he goes left and he goes left. Yeah, <laughs> we used to call it uh, um, left, left and hard left. <laughs> so it's the pump fake to the left, yeah, he's he's getting there though. If he gets right, it's a spin back to the left. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm telling you moves, that, but I had to guard you a few times. <laughs> But I mean, everybody knows it, so yeah, it's still working. Seeing Wancho and Thad, the synergy that they have as a passing, cutting, um, that's been really cool to see to evolve over the past few games. Obviously, both of them have been given more minutes with the Raptors' injury issues, and you can just see it percolating. And now it's like, again, Wancho is cutting towards the rim before Thad even gets the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, we're at that point because he just knows that Thad is going to find him. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just understanding who you're playing with. Yeah. And knowing that so the cut is not always just to get the ball, right? The cut is to mm-hmm. make the best the, it's the right play to make. Yeah. Whether I get the ball or not, it creates space for whatever else actions left. If I get a layup, fantastic. Hmm. But this is the right play for me to make. And that's the biggest thing. Like we talk about, those guys, they naturally make those type of plays where yeah. as a Garrett Chen Jr. who is a who's hunting shots a little bit more and, and we're used to getting him the ball, he's running at the ball. Not that that's a bad thing, but that might be what his 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 intuition is taking him to do because he's good in a dribble handoff, good in a pick and roll, good in scoring the ball mm. with it in his hand, so he wants to go get it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just the fact. Yeah. And you talk roster violence. Again, having guys who aren't ball stoppers. This is going to what you're talking about. Like you look at touch time on the Raptors and obviously point guards are higher. Pascal's up there. OG's up there. But then you put them all together. Like you have a lot of ball stoppers and your pace of your half court offense already isn't great by design. But wouldn't it be nice if you had a few guys who just are like, I know that I'm not going one-on-one here. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to pass it off. I'm going to set a screen. It's like Thad Young, Marcus Saul. It's very similar roles. Yeah. Marcus Saul didn't hold the ball for more than two seconds because he's like, I don't want this shit. 
I don't hold, I'm not that <laughs> guy. <laughs> remember, that's what we talked about when we were talking about the half court offense, about it being just reactions yeah. and making moves in real yeah. time and things popping off and forth, back and forth. That's that's what those guys do. Like you mm-hmm. said, they know they're not going one on one. Yeah. Like when it's coming to them, it's catch and shoot, catch and drive, straight line if I got it, or get back off of it somehow. Like they got three options and they execute them. That's mm-hmm. all I can ask you to do. I don't I don't need to see if you can dance on this guy or not tonight. Like I, I that's not what For we sure. work on. Yeah. That's not your job. And which is fine. Understanding your job is 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 the greatest thing you could do in this league. Mm-hmm. Knowing your job. This is a great pivot right here. Thank you, CJ. Chris Boucher. This man knows his job now. Okay. Knows his job. He knows his job. And I uh, on the the hustle play episode that we recorded with Christian Coloco. I was talking to Chris because I'm like, oh, yeah, we're doing the show with CJ. And uh, he said, come on the show, Chris. Well, he said he would. And he also said he's like, yeah, man, I love that. It's like he was my vet. He was one of my vets when I was in uh, when he was in Toronto. And he said that you gave him stuff. (laughs) Can you tell the people what you gave him? And as I've learned other players as well. The biggest thing, I mean, I gave him a bunch of shoes, a bunch of Jordans. Those guys like to play in Jordans and retros and stuff like that. And I, that's what I played in when I was in Toronto. I was because I was a obviously a big sneaker guy. That's one of the things people knew about me too. And getting to a team that was red, black, and white, it was like opening up a golden door to all these shoes that I had. Oh, so I was just colors. running. I was running through all my retros and all the things and um, getting new ones I could finally play in. Uh, I had the purple, the the Raptor. Uh, what are they? Sevens. We okay. never. I didn't get to play in the. I didn't get the old school jersey though. It came the year after. I was oh, mad. I'm about right. that. I didn't yeah. get that. <laughs> but I um I, I I wore them in like media day though. Um, they still match the jersey obviously, and it's it's symbolic. But um, but the biggest thing we were like we talked about off air is what I try to do with young guys. I let things present themselves, and any way I could be a service and be available, I am. But my biggest thing was I felt like being myself, which was when they got to the gym early, they saw me. When mm-hmm. they, when we shot after, they saw me. Whether I was playing good, bad, not playing, coming back off injury, hurt, off day in there, working on my body, even if not the workout is not long. Yeah. Like, this is the way I can give you all the keys to this. Yeah. I can say everything to you every day. I can mm-hmm. say whatever I want to you. It doesn't matter if you don't see it. It doesn't matter. So that was how I always felt. Um, as far as like leading and helping a young guy any way that I could. And we got a chance to talk and work out together. And then I gave him everything I could in that too. Did you know you were impacting Chris that way? I did not. I mean, I, I, I it wasn't in, it wasn't not like on a one-on-one thing, intentional thing, but like, you know, we had our moments. We cool. Like we chopped it up, laughed, like, yeah. joking, like I did with everybody in the locker room, but I didn't know, like, I didn't expect to hear that. What he said to you about me. I did not. Hmm. Who else did you give shoes to on the Raptors? <laughs> uh, Alfonso and uh, Jordan Lloyd. They were the yeah. young boys that 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 year. Like the younger mm-hmm. young boys. Obviously, like there was Fred and OG and Pascal. Like we were doing the, But they were like the young, young boys. They were like coming on and like um, all were the same size, similar size. And, um, That's fortunate. Just, yeah. And I was just showing love. You know what I mean? Like I knew yeah. they liked them. I knew they liked And then. Lonzo being from Chicago, so you know how they are about Jordans. So, like, yeah, I just shared as much as I could with them. And it was one less thing that they didn't need to be spending money on because some of that stuff you're not going to get from, like, your Nike, whatever, whatever. And I had what I had, so I gave it to them. Right. 
What were your impressions of Chris when you you met him for the first time? And I guess we'll get to how he's playing now. But uh, yeah, story story's amazing, right? He's one mm-hmm. another guy that story is is should be talked about and will be talked about. Um, but he is he's fearless. The best thing about so we talk about knowing your job. The best thing about Chris Boucher's job is he get to be Chris Boucher. Like that's who Chris Boucher mm-hmm. is. Fearless. Come in, change the game, go at you. I'm a black shot, so play hard, run. I'm going to try to dunk on you. I'm going to make three. Like, he gets to be every bit of himself, which is just yeah. bring it. Like, there's no cap on it because he's proven, obviously, that he can do all these things. Yeah. My favorite thing about him is, like, whether he got in the game in a blowout or close game up, he he would step off the bench and shoot the first three that came around, no warm-up, no nothing, trailing into it. and make He got a rep for that. He got a rep for it. <laughs> no, no. And that was the impressive thing is that he made most yeah. of them. He'd look at the bench like his favorite thing. He'd yeah. like, come on, like what you thought it wasn't going in? <laughs> like, that's my favorite thing about Chris. He has the utmost yeah. confidence in himself, and he works for that. He's, he's earned that. Like he's earned that through life, through his story, through his gym time, through yeah. his route to get here with that team. He's he's done it. He he deserves everything he's getting. Twelve point four points per game, career high two point six offensive rebounds. He had twenty two and thirteen versus Dallas. There was a point where he got an offensive rebound and he just like pumped his chest. I'm like, this guy's yeah. energy is it's exuberating really? out of him. And even when you meet him, like he doesn't always have like that kind of uh, yeah. energetic personality. But on the court, fearless, energetic. Mm-hmm. It's just such a pleasure to watch him, especially now that he's found his role in the NBA and on mm-hmm. hustle play. He's talked about this quite a bit that there was a Cleveland uh, game against Cleveland last season when the Raptors were just decimated by COVID and he became the guy for the game. And he's like, man, this is hard. This is really hard. And slowly but surely he understood how he's going to be effective in the NBA. And then from then on, he just kept on doing it capped by that game six versus the 76ers where I think he had like 24 and 12 or something like that. He was terrific. He was doing every single thing that you would want from him within his role, hitting threes, offensive mm-hmm. rebounding, providing energy, uh, attacking closeouts. He was doing all of it. And here he is this season doing the exact same thing. The man knows what his role is and he's mm-hmm. happy with his role. And like you said, he's able to be Chris Boucher. And what a gift that is, is that man. you were in a role where you get to be you. Yeah, that's and that don't happen a lot for a lot of people. People yeah. fight or have to mold or have to figure out, you know, how I can inch by inch put a little bit of myself more into this while I'm in this position. But mm. like his timing coming in was perfect. Um, the way that the that the system gradually changed allowed him to just gradually flourish and and yeah. add more to his game and the freedom and things that he could do were allowed to do. He could have been in other situations that kind of pinned him to you know being in the dunker live threat and you block shots like none of this freedom, none of these things that allows you to become who he is. And yeah, I couldn't imagine that bench right now without him. No, like not being, not being as good as they are or can be. And it, and it lets you know how good it can be. Like you're talking about adding Gary Trent to it. Yeah. If that happens, you know what I mean? Like now you got another shooter out there. You got a guy that could be in actions with him, a scoring guy. Hmm. There aren't too many players off the bench are as effective at their role as, as him, because you normally think of effective bench players and it's like the Lou Williams guys who can just come in and hit buck and get mm-hmm. buckets. Right. Mm-hmm. But what about a, a person like Chris who does a bit of scoring defense provides energy and like you, he walk away from your minutes and you say every single time, damn near every single time I did exactly what my job is. His cause it's to an extent like his essence, that's like his presence is greater mm-hmm. than his scoring. 
Like I don't, he didn't have to give me 20 every night. I'm going to feel his fingerprints, his hands on the game, no matter what, somehow. Even if this, even no matter what the box score says, hmm. he's there's something going to happen out there that's going to be like, that was Chris Boucher. Nobody else could have made that play but Chris Boucher. That's the type of energy he brings to the game and the type of person he is on that basketball floor. Anything standing out about uh, his play this season? I mean, I mentioned that he's doing uh, the progression that we had last season that we saw, and then it was capped by that game six versus the 76ers. But, I mean, to me, it, it, I feel like he is – getting the defensive principles a little bit crisper. The timing mm. is better. And I think there's been some real progression there. Mm. It's not so reliant on like his tremendous athleticism, right? He blocked a lot of shots, had to make all these spectacular super plays sometimes yeah. to like prevent things from happening. And now he's just able to be in position and be where he's supposed to be still blocking shots, um, still contesting at the rim. And then offensively, I you just see him being in different spots now. Like it's not so, Mm-hmm. predicated on him just being standstill here in the corner. If it gets there, it gets there, or trailing on top of the key. You see him running the wing and catching it, running and dunking on people. You see him putting yeah. it down, taking it. There's there's a lot more confidence in certain situations, and he's proven that we can allow him to keep doing those things. Yeah. Oh, and the cutting. The cutting yeah, has he's been. Moving. He's moving oh, so man. much better. Moving in the sense of like uh, timing, speed. What do you yeah, mean by timing? He's better? Just being able to make the reads. But this comes from him being in different positions on the floor. You learn to make these reads when you get to be in different positions. When you're always the screener and roller, or when you're always putting the corner on this set, it kind of takes away from learning those reads. You can watch film as much as you want, but you got to be able to see it in yeah. real time, and you got to be able to miss one or two. To be like ah, I could have did it. Yeah. And then next thing you know. It starts to like we talk about with that. It's just like time and minutes, experience, and that's how it goes. Sure. You want to get to a point, and he is approaching this where the Toronto Raptors, Fred, Pascal, OG, they're when when Chris is on the court, they're just like, Where is Chris? Because you feel like he is going to be finding the open space somewhere. Dunker spot, cutting from the baseline, cutting from the wing, whatever it is. Like he is he's forming that uh that essence about him, as you said, where mm-hmm. people are just like where is Chris? I think he's going to be somewhere doing something good. He's not just going to be standing in the corner. And if he is, it's for a reason. Everything and he's doing now has a purpose. And he's like, he's right. He's accurate yes. more often than not now. I was about to say what you just said. That speaks to his consistency of what he's doing. Yeah. Because it's like now your guys, they trust in you too. And they want to let you do what you do. Hmm. They want to make sure you get to get have the chance to affect the game because they know, they believe in how you help us. Yeah. That's a different confidence too. OG Ananobi posted on for the first time in two years and Yo, he's... Uh, on IG and the people went off about it. The comments, the celebrities that we saw, celebrities yeah. being basketball players, uh, in the comments, I'm like, I can't believe, like, you see DeMar's there. You yeah, see... I was about to say, that's the one I saw first, was Depot. He was like, wow, you posted something. I didn't even look yeah. through the rest of them, but it was pretty shocking. And it was just a carousel of him, of yeah. images. He didn't even say <laughs> it wasn't anything. Even, <laughs> He didn't even do anything. He just posted like the pictures that everybody posts all the time from games. He didn't even this do anything. This man is a troll. This man is a he troll. He is amazing. <laughs> he is one of the. He is a treasure. Yes, he is a treasure. He is like one of the greatest personalities that I've ever been around, and he's yeah. dead serious all the time. And it comes off as like he's he's so serious. That's the funniest thing about it to me is most of the time he's so serious. The, the him not knowing his Netflix password bit that he did in the thing yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, that was with the Caperness, right? Yeah. Uh, do you remember being guarded by OG? 
Yeah, OG can't guard me. Oh, he knows that OG can't guard me. No, so <laughs> um, in the beginning, I moved too much for OG. Okay. This is the beginning. This is the, this is the early OG figuring it out. So like, I yeah. got help. I got screens. I got, you know, little stuff that I'm doing. Stuff that like I that I know from being in the league fifteen years. You know, things that I'm doing. Um, but the one thing about him, he's, he's strong as an ox, man. Like, good reflexes, good hands. But I think the biggest thing this year is he's just owning it. He's like, nah, yeah. I am him. I am the baddest one. Yeah, I'm the one that's going. Not that he didn't think that before, but you can see it on him. He steps on the floor. He's like, I don't care. And that's the other thing. He does not care who it is. The name, who he he's like, why can't I do what he's doing? He does not care. One had a conversation with him early in his career when he first came. And they you know the young guys, you know, they on him when they're in a being in a weight room a certain time. They don't have their own routine. So you don't have the luxury of creating your routine because they can't trust you yet. We don't know if you're gonna come lift or you're gonna come do your condition after. So we're gonna make a time until you show us that you and one day he's like, I didn't see Kyle in there. Meanwhile, Kyle played like 39 minutes the night before, or whatever, whatever. It's like, <laughs> like I didn't see Kyle in there. So, look, you know, why? I, I was like, oh, gee, are we really about to have this conversation right now? He's like, I understand what you're saying, and it makes perfect sense. But that man's been an all star. That man has done all these things in the elite, all these things that we know that he's going to do what he has to do. We know he knows what he has yeah. to do to do what he's doing. This is not a shot at you. This is just us trying to teach you the things you need yeah. to have. Once you have them, you can make your own routine. You can work out after practice, before practice. You can come sure. in at four in the morning for all I care. I know you're doing it, but but that's the thing with OG. He's like, nah, I'm 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 one of these. I'm I'm one of them. Yeah, and he said that probably with innocence, not as in like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't like no, like I don't think he is. Who he is. He was just like, Kyle's not there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. how he said it. Shrug your shoulders. So yeah, and and that's why nobody meets. It. There's no malice, so he's never met with malice. Because mm. he's speaking honestly and truthfully, he's really intrigued and trying to figure it out. There's no, I'm not talking down on anybody. No, I got you. Well, I mean, if OG can't guard you and he knows that, um, when did you? When do you think OG realized he can't guard you? <laughs> was know, there a moment where just like, yeah, was there a moment where he, he looked at you? He's just like, damn. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. But the big, yeah. but the other thing I will say also is. That bench mob squad, when we prayed and practiced against the Stars, we were the same way against them as we were against other teams. Yeah. We gave them the same amount of trouble. We practiced the same way we played. That's why we were so good. So, like, it's not even really just a solely one-on-one thing. I wasn't even a one-on-one guy like that. And we didn't play one-on-one basketball in that unit. It was just the fact that we did everything for each other. Mm. And that was the way it went. Oh, man, the way you were coming off. Double stacks and stagger screens Everywhere. and slips and everything like that. Yeah. Must have been. That, and an that's the thing. Fit. Like it's like what we talked about in the last podcast. Just moving. I know you don't want to switch. So I'm yeah. gonna run around and just create as much havoc as I can. Is there anything else that you're seeing about OG's defense this season? Or is it simply like that he is just accepting and embracing that role, which is something actually that Pascal talked about earlier on this mm-hmm. season and actually after the last game. He said that it's just focus and intent with him. Like he's always had yeah. it. And obviously help. Always had it. Please always had it. Name. Yeah. Help the, the them being able to swarm and him having the confidence in him and helping them where he can be aggressive on these one-on-one, great one-on-one players. Yeah. But like you said, it's just you see it on he's on, he's like, nah, I got it. I understand it. And there's nothing wrong with me being like, I think he was also trying to figure himself out. He's like, I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be this. And there's nothing wrong with that part coming first. 
it doesn't make you not be able to eventually get to this and be all around. I think guys get scared of just being called a three and D guy. No, you're a three and D guy right now. That's what you are right now. That's fine. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't develop into something else. Don't take that label as this is who you have to be, especially in this program. They make sure the guys get the most opportunities they can to expand. So just take on the role that's helping us win, and we'll make sure we reward you for that. And that's what they do. Hmm. Have you? Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tiptoe around this one because I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. And you, there were the reports during the off season that you know OG was unhappy with his role, right? And he refuted it, understandably. You know, he said that you know I'm not sure where that came from. Yada yada yada. With his emergence as an isolation scorer, you know, he did he performed pretty well while Pascal was out. There were some ups and downs, but there's going to be. But obviously, you know, he probably does want a bigger offensive role um, when Pascal mm-hmm. is in the game, out of the game. Fred, um, he's already taken a back seat. Do you think something like, you know, this potential switch where Gary and Scotty are maybe coming off the bench is due to the fact that, you know, OG has has made the case? Stay the case, and he's made it that you know I deserve more reps as an offensive player, and this is a way to kind of help everyone in a way where Scotty has his moments, OG has his moments. Like I did videos during the offseason where I was like, "Hey, maybe the Raptors should you know do some sort of some minutes with the bench where OG and and Gary are in with three shooters like you know Otto Porter Jr. and Chris Boucher and maybe Wancho or whoever, and that that's their cooking time. That's what I was calling it. That was their moment where they can go out there and do and get do their offensive thing. Like, is that something that could be going on here where OG is being given more of uh, the offensive reins? I mean, you could see it because when the guys were down, he was taking full advantage of it. Yeah. He was, he was putting up his case. Um, hmm. But I also think it's um, just – that's the best way to put this. So let's say – I don't I don't want to say that him asking for more makes him unhappy. Mm. I want to say he, he should want he more. Just, he should he want just, more. Yeah, he wants yeah. more. It doesn't, I don't think he wants to leave or wanted to get out of there or want it wasn't like an ultimatum. It was just, hey, I'm it would developing. be cool. Yeah, it I'm trying cool. to develop. Yeah. And if we got yeah. space for me to continue to grow, I would I just want to let you know that I want it. Because yeah. sometimes that might be the best thing you have to do is tell them that you want it so they can look at you in that light. All he did was put light on it. And if he can't, and if it gets to a point where we get to the cap, then we got to the cap. But at least we knew we tried to get to it. That's that's the biggest thing. Like, and I think he is showing that there's more ceiling. He's pushing the roof up a little bit. Like, hmm. it, it, as long as he keeps pushing it up, yeah. we have to keep trying. He's proven sure. that he's he's valuable and he's great and he wants to be great. Yeah. So let's see how great we can be because now we can hmm. have three superior level guys in that starting lineup and put two shooters in there with him. I want that. Yeah. Hmm. And then we got another one coming with Scotty. You know what I mean? And if we can yeah. figure out how we can play all four of those guys together when they yeah. grow that much, because mm-hmm. right now we might have to separate them just so they have the best chances of growing. Exactly. So nobody stunts the other person. Yeah. And like you had said earlier, it's more important who finishes. And I, w- I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, Scotty's going to be probably finishing games. Right. But in the early going of of games, you know, first first quarter, second quarter, early portions of the third quarter, 
Um, this is a way that you can make sure everyone gets their their time uh, to shine in a way. And also it's going to create better roster balance. Um, mm -hmm. You have a better bench. You probably just by doing this, is gonna, you're going to be able to uh, take some of the minutes off of uh, Fred, Pascal. There's going to be balance there. I think last game, um, OG ended up playing 36 and I, Fred was at like 34 or something like that. That is where you want them. You don't want them to be teetering on that 40. Like that's not mm -hmm. good. And doing this, it's going to make that happen, which would be, I mean, it's good for everyone in that way, right? Yeah, the balance you talked about. Now we can put players with other players that make each other better, mm -hmm. like balanced out. Not that not that the start lineup didn't do that before, obviously those guys, but now I can put Gary Trent with, uh, with Malachi Flynn. And now I have two guys that can run and gun, keep pace, a guy that can kind of show him the ropes a little more, another veteran that's not Fred playing 40 minutes. Yeah. Or I can put him out there, or I can change it and put uh, now with Scotty and Gary Trent working together. Yeah. And it allows me to have, you know, a little bit more room in pick and rolls defensively because Scotty can help Gary Trent in those pick and rolls. They can switch a little sure. bit. They can do There's so many things we can play with that allows me to get other guys some minutes where I couldn't get them before and balance out the top half. What I've liked about the Raptors um, during Pascal while, while he was gone is that they were actually running more offensive sets, like more actions, because I was looking at that uh, last game um, against Cleveland. And I was, I mean, I mean, for, for us, like I want you to play breakdown and stuff like that, but I'm looking at, I looked at every single made basket the Raptors had and they have their horn set. They have their, their flex. They have their weave. Everything was within that. Like there was no much, there wasn't much variance and they still had a decent offensive game, but that's kind of what they're trying to do. But while Pascal was out, they were forced in a way to run mm. more actions because the offense wasn't as easy. And with OG, they kind of found something with, you know, finding ways to get him just like bulldozing towards the rim, less mm. dribbling, more just like bringing off some stack screens, Sager screens or whatever, and just getting him going downhill towards the rim. And the foul calls weren't always there. Hopefully that changes because the man was getting hacked quite a bit and the fouls weren't happening, but that's a side conversation. Yeah. Um, it's the price you pay for being big and strong. It's true. Apparently he's, he said he's not 250 pounds and that was something that, that came that. up uh, for, uh, for those who don't know, there was a roster release at the beginning of the season. And it said that OG was 250 pounds and a reporter asked about it. More curious. Like, are you actually 250 now? Because before you were 230 ish. Yeah. And he was like, No, I am not 250. He did not say his exact weight, which is his he business. Said, he said that's personal. That's exactly, exactly. what he said. And that is his business, right? But he said, I think it's it's probably more like the where he is, like 235, something like that. Yeah, uh, but probably. He, but he is a strong human being. Um, and so there are benefits to finding ways to use a player like OG who does have offensive talent, like you had said in our last podcast strength is a skill how do you use that and i think mm -hmm. the raptors kind of found something while yeah. pascal was out with that they used to do this thing with cory mcgetty back in the day i hated gardner they used to run this high it was like a football play almost like he kind of come off somebody's tail from like almost the hash mark downhill running full speed with the ball like they mm -hmm. do it early in the break early in the or early in the clock and just let them get running downhill straight line they get you like a brush screen or a handoff or something that just allow him to just get to the free throw line, basically. Because that's what it ended in eight out of ten times. Oh, we shot a lot of free throws, Corey. He shot a lot of free right throws. Right to the front of the rim or free throws. Yeah. And that was just them, you know, recognizing what he had, what he did well. Yeah. And we put him in the best position best position to win his matchup. Hmm. That's that's what you try to do with all your players. Like, you try to put them in the best positions to highlight their skills. Yeah.
to get the you get the you get the most out of every guy you can by by having different sets and different things that do that. With them running the sets they run or the lack of sets with Pascal back because of his passing is a little different. You see the way he's seeing the floor and the things he's able to draw to and the attention he brings. You don't have to run as many sets. But all those open yeah. sets on top, they uh, just allow basketball plays. Yeah. Roman, his passing. It's like every time I, I mean, he was gone for a little while, but you forget about it, how good of a passer he is. And I highlighted one sequence where uh, he was at the above the break or uh, free throw line extended. And he started driving, I think, on Dean Wade. And he has his eyes on Isaac Okoro because he wants to get him, Isaac Okoro, to come to him. Because that Dean Wade yeah. matchup, not good for Dean Wade. Okay, Pascal yeah. was cooking him the whole damn game. And what Pascal did is that he did a spin, and it seemed like it was going to be a step back. And so Okoro comes over to contest. Meanwhile, Pascal, so nope, goes cross-body, one-handed to Wancho mm-hmm. on, the, on the wing for a three. And... You just like, man, that is like that vision passing. That is like, you are just cerebral right now with Mm -hmm. your passing. You are baiting people. You know exactly what they're going to do. And you're saying, come here, come over, right? Come come, come to this side because I got a shooter right here. And I'm going to put it right on the tape and he's going to hit the shot. It was beautiful. It's just like little stuff like that. Yeah, He's commanding so much on the floor, like so much attention that he's got this mental picture where everybody's at. And he knows where the help's coming from. We talked about that, yeah. too. Like, I know you want to come baseline help with the big. And I know that the guy's got a two-on-one on the backside. So when I get this help. And there's that. And I'm swinging it. And, <laughs> yeah. there's gonna, and then they'll figure it out. My job is yeah. to just get it over there. Mm. Now, make the shot, the extra pass, whatever. My job is to make sure it gets there yeah. on target with, with some zip on it so they got to mm-hmm. make a play. And just thinking about this now, there's another reason why you want that young on the court, because like I said, he is never going to be in the way on offense. And there's always going to be a person like him, the dunker spot, who's going to be able to use that unique touch of his. And it's going to be layups, layups on layups on layups, Mm -hmm. because Pascal is going to get in the pain. And when you draw that second defender, this is why I had a good feeling about the Raptors uh, going against the 76ers is because of that Pascal Siakam gravity. Now, Fred Van Vliet not being healthy was also a factor. And then all the injuries that happened, even Thad Young got hurt. Um, he hurt his thumb, right? Yeah. But uh, I felt like once you're able to get Joel Embiid out of the paint, now you can use like a Chris Boucher, Thad Young, just those dunker spot dudes who are going to be able to hit layups. But obviously mm-hmm. it didn't work out that way. Maybe we see something. Maybe we see that matchup again in the playoffs. Might be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, Yeah. might be a blessing in disguise. Not seeing him full strength. Not being able to be prepared for him right away. There you go. Strictly Hoops with CJ Miles. Again, subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe everywhere. Like the videos. Watch the videos. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at... um, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Man, you can find CJ at Masfresco on Twitter, and also yes, on IG. Sir, yes, closing sir. thoughts, anything you want to say? Uh, keep hooping, man. Keep, keep hooping. If you're trying to get it, get after it. Stay in the gym. It's love, man. There we go. Everyone, 
Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.